Thank you for tuning in to Hill Country Fellowship's audio podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired as you listen today. For more information, visit us online at hcfburnett.org. Well, good morning. Good to worship with you today. I'm excited to take communion with you uh, at the end of the message and then go into a time of, of worshiping the living God together uh, through more, more singing. Um, one thing that Pastor Jordan forgot to mention in the, in the uh, Christian Academy hiring that we have here that we offer is this is the, the best building to work in in the county. So uh, there you go. Uh, best place to work. Um, fully biased in all of that opinion there. Um, So we're in uh, our study in Revelation. We're in Revelation 2, verses 1 through 7 today. Uh, Last week we looked at chapter 1 and about Jesus coming on the scene and the unveiling of Jesus and that Revelation is all about Jesus. Not about us being in fear or or hyper-focusing on figuring out what the end times mean. It's about Jesus and Jesus and more Jesus. And so this week and then the, the, the following weeks as we finish up, we're going to look at the churches each week. So uh, today we're taking a look at um, the church there in Ephesus. Um, but as we just kind of recap a little bit with what Revelation is, um, it, it, it means the unveiling of Jesus is what the, the, or it means the unveiling of, and then Jesus is the point. So Revelation means the unveiling of, Jesus is the point. Uh, he's the centerpiece of everything, and we have to have him as the centerpiece of our lives in order to, uh, to do anything with, with godly success or with purpose that, that is beyond uh, our own selfish needs uh, that, that aligns itself with the creator uh, of all things. Uh, and, and the book of Revelation should motivate the believer to live this godly life as we, as we read it, as we, as we learn from it, as we're challenged by it and respond, as we're encouraged by it and live out of that, as we're convicted by it and walk in repentance, it should mature us. And that's the life of a disciple, a life of a follower of Jesus. We, we can also learn about what's to come. And correctly learn how to live in that. Not correctly learn how to tell everybody what I know. But learn to live following Jesus. Living on mission for Jesus. Sharing the gospel of Jesus. As I learn about what's to come and and what is. Um, And so this series we're in is called Things That Are. Because it was written to those churches that literally existed back then. And and then we can apply it to, to our lives as churches or as believers um, so Jesus comes and he, he reveals himself to John, who's the author of the book, uh, and, and, and he wants the churches to, uh, to be encouraged, to be loved on, to be challenged, corrected, warned in some cases, and, and he still reveals himself to us today. No matter what we face, no matter what we deal with, no matter what we walk through, Jesus is right there. Emmanuel. That's his name. Emmanuel. God with us. Go all the way back to the garden. God was with Adam and Eve. And all throughout the Old Testament, you just see Jesus with them. Jesus walking amongst them. Jesus leading and guiding them. Jesus being the point of everything. And of course, he walked on planet Earth. Lived for 33 years. We have the four Gospels and really the, the beginning of the book of Acts that tell us about his life on Earth. And 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 how he uh, has always been with us. His name, Emmanuel, we celebrate Christmas, is that meaning, and he's still with us here and now today. Um, I want to give a little background on, 
on the churches uh, that, that, um, that were dealing with that culture that, you know, it's written to seven churches uh, in the modern day Turkey area. Um, and I want to give a little bit of a, a background on, on what they were dealing with in their culture of the day. They'd had over 200 years of Roman rule in most of the civilized world at this time. Uh, there was this thing happening called Pax Romana, if you haven't ever studied it. Uh, it means the peace of Rome. It meant uh, if you'll finally relent and let us, let us be over you and be benevolent dictators, you'll have peace. Otherwise, you know, trouble's going to come your way. So most of the, uh, the ruled areas of Rome that, that Rome owned and, and ruled just kind of gave in. And we're like, yeah, we'll just... We get prosperity, we get peace, we get benefits. We're, we're not having heads chopped off, all these good things happening. Uh, so we'll just, we'll just give in and give up and, and live in, in peace of this benevolent dictatorship, um, this peaceful, if you will, dominion. Uh, and, and basically nations and cultures, people groups, they just chose the rewards and the prosperity to live in that peace, being loyal to Rome. Uh, but a big part of this peace that they offered was, hey, Caesar is a living God. So you will worship him as a living God, which whoever Caesar is in the moment, he's a living God. So worship him. That's part of the peace you get. Don't bow up to Caesar. And so that's what these seven churches that this is written to are dealing with. And again, they're in modern-day Turkey. They're along a major trade route, which is why that they were so prominent in these, in these cities. And, and they were at the same time under immense pressure from the community, from culture, from government to conform to what Rome wanted and needed. Uh, and it was basically either... either conform to what we need or just quit, just altogether quit and go away if you can't conform to what we need. So Christians were treated poorly because they refused to uh, acknowledge their, their Roman benefactors as amazing and him as God, um, and they were seen as troublemakers. And so that's the pressure that they're, that they're facing in these churches. And of course, when that kind of pressure goes on for, for decades and decades, some, some people begin to crumble. Jesus said it would, it would, be, a, it would be tough for them. I mean, in, uh, in John 15, he, he says, hey, the, the world uh, is going to demand that you conform and it's going to be tough because you follow me. He says this in John chapter 15, Starting at verse 18. This is right near the end before he goes to the cross. He says, if the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. The world would love you as one of its own if you belonged to it. But you are no longer a part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world so it hates you. Do you remember what I told you? A slave is not greater than the master since they persecuted me. Naturally, they will persecute you. And if they had listened to me, they would listen to you. So society, this is what he told, you know, the church right before he went. This is what he told his followers. And, and he's telling kind of, as we get to Revelation 2, we're going to see the same thing. But he's saying society will demand that you get involved or that you blend in for a lot of different reasons. In their day, in, in Revelation, it was because it affected the economy and the peace of the day. So just conform 
so that we can all have it good and you don't cause more soldiers to show up on the scene. Basically, they were saying, hey, you need to be involved in cultural rituals. You need to be involved in society norms. You need to be, uh, you know, honoring of Caesar because he makes it nice on us. That helps you be a good citizen. If it were said today, it would say you need to be on the right side of history. That's a popular phrase. Um, I always lend it towards I am on the right side of history. The one who wrote it is who I'm on uh, the side of. Uh, I want to be on his side. And I don't want to demand him on my side because then it's going to go wonky for us. But some churches and some believers had begun to just give in. Conform, compromise, just the, 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 the wearing down of them finally just the hinges got too much and they just broke off and, and they just found themselves conforming, deceived by false peace and compromise. So now a little bit of a, a background on the church in Ephesus itself. We're, we're going to be in Ephesus 2 of the first seven verses there. And uh, so you have this Ephesians church and most of you know the book of Ephesians. Paul wrote to them. Um, at one time, the, the Ephesian church was caught up in majorly culturally approved sin, idolatry, uh, just, just massive problems. And so uh, they struggled with truth. And so Paul just graciously committed to walk them through the sin issues and the truth issues into grace and righteousness and real truth in Jesus. And they obviously got their beliefs, beliefs right because what we see written here in just a second here when I read it is they were theologically sound. So they, they listened to Paul and they became vibrant and they, they committed to uh, walk in repentance and in conviction and towards Jesus out of that deception and now Jesus addresses them here years later. This is probably, I don't know, a few decades after Paul had written to them. And he says this, the first three verses of Revelation 2. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Ephesus. This is the message from the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one, Jesus, who walks among the seven gold lampstands, lampstands of the churches he's writing to, I know all the things you do. Dun, 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 right? It's like, oh, no. I have seen your hard work. Okay. All right, that's good. I've seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know that you don't tolerate evil people. You've examined the claims of those who say they are apostles but are not. You've discovered they are liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. You got it right up here. You got it right in here. You're working hard. So they got the mind and the action stuff right. But as we're going to see in a second, there's a heart problem going on. The love of Jesus that drew them to following him in the first place and captivated them had begun to fade. So verse 4 says, but I have this complaint against you. Oh, now, dun, dun, dun. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. What does that remind you of? You don't love me or each other. Great commandment. Love God. Out of that, love people. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love, and love your neighbor as yourself. So he's saying, you're, you're starting to fade away on loving God and loving people. 
Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me, repent, and do the works you did at first. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. So they went from love and grace and joy and compassion to brains and knowledge. That's where we find the Ephesian church. A heart problem because they lost the love. Maybe spiritual pride had crept in. Uh, Often when you pursue knowledge over pursuing knowing Jesus and being with Jesus and being in Jesus' presence, that that knowledge begins to puff up. Uh, Maybe maybe that was what what crept in there. That's a very common thing when, when knowledge is pursued over Jesus. And he's saying, hey, it's, it's about just knowing Jesus. It's about just following Jesus. I'd say that they let religion invade their relationship. That they chose uh, to, to, to put devotion on the back burner and be dutiful. That they were great at works but forgot their worship. I was thinking last night, I could go for every letter in the alphabet and probably have a uh, this or that. But they, they let something replace the most important thing. Is, is, is duty great? Is, is work, are works great? Yeah. But they should always be the overflow of devotion and worship and relationship with Jesus. Even pursuit of doing things for Jesus can be similar to pursuing knowledge we can, we can do things like we see Martha in, in Luke chapter 10 over being with Jesus. Activities for Jesus should only ever come as I pursue him and it's just something the Holy Spirit puts on my heart or I'm just like, Lord, I just, I love you so much. I, I can't get enough of you. Can, I just want to go and give my life away over here in, in this area, maybe the Boys and Girls Club or I want to go and give my life away with the, the Crisis Network. I want to go and give my life away uh, working in children's ministry or, or serving on some team. I want to give my life away because I just, I can't get enough of you and I just, I'm so over, overjoyed and, and even in a a good way overwhelmed by you. I just, I just want to pour it out. That's what we do. Don't go, hey, Lord, I'm going to do this, 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 and then what are you going to give me? And so they had begun to, to add in knowledge and works to their life, and Jesus was over here going, I love you. I love you. Don't ever forget Jesus' great love for you. That's why we called this message today square one. That's square one, Jesus' great love for you. Always choose the better thing, being with Jesus, than doing for Jesus. And again, should you do for Jesus? Yeah, but it should flow out. James said faith without works is dead, but faith is first. Devotion is first. Worship is first. Relationship is first. And then you can add those other things to your life. Be like Mary who chose to sit at Jesus' feet as opposed to Martha who was like, I'm working hard and she's a sloth. Because often if knowledge and works are your focus, you'll begin to look at other people and be like, look at Look at what they're not doing. Look at what they don't know. Look at how thin their Bible is compared to my. That, that comes, whether we say it or not, that begins to, 
to make its way in. Just love Jesus, everything else will fall into place. Because Jesus is in charge, the Holy Spirit is leading you. The Father God is on your heart. So that's what Jesus is calling the Ephesian church to here. He's, he's saying, remember your first love. The excitement of knowing the creator. You know the creator. Just stop and think about that for a moment. Everything you see and everything that's too far for you to see, everything that's ever been, every person who's ever existed, everyone who will come along after you pass away, he made them all. He made it all. He does it all. You look at stuff in, you know, online or on, on, on the, uh, you know, through a telescope, if you're a telescope person, and all that stuff that's out there that you can't see with the naked eye. He made all that, and you know him. And then he says, I'm your dad, so welcome to the family. You have that. And here's the thing, you are known by God. I mean, just... Jesus is saying, remember, you know him and you're known by him. Remember every sin forgiven. Every sin you've ever committed forgiven. Done. Taken care of at the cross. Gone forever, remembered no more. If you remember it, you're the only one because God doesn't. So Jesus calls the church who was fading from him to repentance. Get your mind and your heart right. Own it. And then walk the other direction now. That's why we need to live a lifestyle of, 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 of repentance in humility. Of just being tender and soft to it. So our big idea today is, is to repent and reconnect. You can't have repentance without reconnection. And you can't reconnect with Jesus without repenting. So they're going to be hand in hand. They're going to be a tongue and groove thing. So that's what Jesus is calling them to. And he's still calling us to that today. Stay tender. Stay open. Own things that you do. Own things that you believe. Own things that you don't do. Ask for forgiveness for it while also changing how you move out from there. Don't ask for forgiveness and keep doing it. Well, I'll just keep asking for forgiveness. I really like doing it. Well, there's no repentance there. That's worldly sorrow, which Paul says leads to death. So godly sorrow leads to life. So then Jesus wraps it up with an encouragement and a reminder in verses six and seven. And he says this, but this is in your favor. You hate the evil deeds of the Nicolaitans just as I do. That's a pretty big word. Jesus is saying, I hate that. Like, whoa. And he's, that's good because he's like, you hate them too. You hate that, not them. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. To everyone who's victorious, I will give fruit from the tree of life in the paradise of God. Think about that. All of us have probably had like, we've had a piece of fruit, we're like, whoa, that mango, world changing. 
greatest watermelon ever, cherries, grapes, whatever your favorite is, apples, I don't get you, but you know, they're good, I just don't get why they're your favorite, but we all have, you know, it's like, okay, imagine Jesus saying, if you hear and you follow this, you will eat from my tree of life in the paradise of God, okay, I used to live in Hawaii, right, and it was not bad. I had probably seven, eight different kinds of, of fruit trees, including an avocado tree. There was nothing quite like grabbing a mango during ripe season, pulling it off the tree, getting a knife, cutting it while staring at the ocean and hearing the waves crash. That was pretty much paradise on earth. And I'm eating a mango from Hawaii. That, this, this description makes that sound like I'm opening up a can of Dole pineapple uh, that, uh, that's been sitting on the shelf for, for a few years and I'm looking at a concrete wall. Okay, so he's saying, hear me, walk in it, live in repentance, and I will feed you from my tree of life in the paradise of God. That's not a bad promise. So, mentions the Nicolaitans, I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna touch on them briefly. Basically, to the Nicolaitans, uh, compromise mattered most. Like, hey, what does the world need us to do to fit in? Let's do it. Uh, so that's, that's how they had lived their life. They were, they, were, they were those who called themselves believers or once were believers uh, of Jesus. And, and they, had, they had lost their way. They, they ate meat offered to idols because the culture thought they were cool. Fornication, adultery, sexual sin, idolatry, that was all okay. Uh, my flesh commits those sins and, and my spirit doesn't. That was their mental insanity. And, and so they were very much all about compromise. And so, so Jesus says here, hey, I'm glad that you hate those deeds because they're, they're off and they're awful. Seduction to be a part of popular culture Seduction to be a part of the crowd. Seduction to do what everyone else who matters to all of those who think people matter is, is what we're going to do. That was their mentality as Nicolaitans. And so praise God that, that Jesus says here, you're not buying into this. And I, and I applaud you for that. Um, he commends them for hating those evil deeds and then in verse 7, as we, as we look at the, the last thing he says to him, he's basically saying, hey, you listen to the Spirit and, and do what the Holy Spirit's leading, leading you to do as you follow me. You're going to live victorious lives. So there are great ways that we can live in order to help this love grow, uh, help it come back if it's faded, uh, to, to never fade away and to stay uh, on that, that path with Jesus all that we all that we can uh, as we as we do life together, uh, community is a great way to do it. There's there's lots of different ways. Um, one of the ways that that we can do that is to be generous with our time, our talents, and our treasure. Just to just to give away our resources, to give away ourselves, and serving to uh, to give away our skills and abilities so that. The, the church and, and, and lost people and, 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 and those that the church serves can, can be blessed, whether it's here or, or far. Um, and, and, and it's always that we, we're generously giving because we want others to know Jesus or we want them to experience his great love for them. So one of the ways that we 
are firmly committed to, and it's why we give anywhere from 17 to 20% of our in, everything that comes in during the week goes out to missions and benevolence, whether it's global or local, um, and we send teams as much as we can, and praise God, uh, we're putting a, you know, a nail in the coffin of, uh, of COVID trying to own the world, and we're going out again, and so I've asked Pastor Jeremy to come up and and share a recap of, of the team that went to Alaska recently so you can be encouraged and challenged and, and maybe, uh, maybe feel the Holy Spirit inviting you to go uh, and be a part of missions. And then when he's done, uh, I'm going to take us into the other thing that we can do uh, that Jesus tells us to do in order to live a, a lifestyle that, that doesn't fade away in our uh, it, it doesn't let our love fade away. So Pastor Jeremy, come on, come on up and... Um, Share, share what, what the Lord put on your heart for us today. I promise that announcement video, I'm not your homeless pastor. So just throwing that out there. Apparently the beard needs some love. I can hear my wife laughing the entire time. But um, <clears throat> thank you for sending us is what I want to say first. Because without your generosity and, and your time, talents, and treasures applied, eight of us wouldn't have went to the Yukon Flats and the middle of nowhere in Alaska to support Camp Nashi. And we're going to scroll a few pictures, but that's the team. So eight of us went there. Camp Nashi means place of healing in the Gwich'in Athabascan language. Um, it's it's kind of out there, y'all, in the middle of nowhere. They mill their own lumber. We built the most awesome outhouse on the face of the planet. We worked 10 to 12 hours a day um, building, siding, cutting, chopping, bear proofing. I mean, you name it, we, we laid our hands to it. And uh, that's a shot of the lumber mill there that's on site. And it matters. And some, some people would say, well, why would you go all the way to Alaska? Because there's lost, broken, hurting, dying people in the middle of nowhere. Yes. That is how many air miles Bernard is from Nashi. Joy and the team crafted that sign and, and painted that white stuff with the tail of a squirrel we may or may not have shot. Um, anyway, we were out there loving on that team and building things and sowing seed for the advancement of the kingdom because... Next summer and for the last 14 years, the TJM team underneath the leadership of Ron Pratt has been loving Village Alaska. Again, some of those stats were eight times the suicide rate, rape, incest, all the whole, most horrible things you would never want your kids to experience happens in Village Alaska. Eight times the national average. It's like the highest in the world. That's why we went. We went to invest and sow and build and sweat and cut your fingers and sleep on bunk beds that weren't the most comfortable things, but um, it's, pretty, it's pretty glamping out there, I'm not going to lie, but you know, if you love an outhouse, then come on, we'll take you back next summer. But it matters, it matters for the sake of people that God created that he is calling home. One of the stories that Ron shared was about this young man that came to camp this last summer and... He's at the altar during worship and Ron said, the kid was just like shaking. Like he, he just couldn't, he couldn't figure it out. And he came up to the young man. He said, what's going on? He said, I don't know what God is doing to me, but it's awesome. That's why we went. We went so that young man could experience the living God. 
so that all the maintenance could be done so that team could focus on loving those 35 kids who came out into the middle of nowhere with no hope, no future, no Jesus, where they could meet Jesus and their life could forever be changed and their name written in the Lamb's book of life. Amen. That's why we went to Alaska. So we wanted to show you those pictures. We wanted to encourage you about that. And that's why we will contend to live on mission here at Hill Country Fellowship. Because if you do forget your first love, I think you forget we're supposed to live on mission. God is calling us to Jerusalem here locally where Many of you give your lives away on a regular basis, and that's what we're supposed to do. But Judea, Samaria, it's Burnett County, it's Texas, it's the United States, and it is the nations that the Lord is calling us to generously give towards love, seek after, and preach the good news. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Hill Country Fellowship. Thanks, Pastor Jeremy. So tell me this, anybody ever... uh, um, forget where their keys were, right? Now, you, you may have lost your keys. Did your keys get lost? Or did you, did you forget where they were? Right? They're always where they were last. So I think it's very, it's, it's a unique thing to look at this and, and, and see that they didn't lose their first love. They forgot their first love. They, they faded from that love with Jesus um, and, and it can sound real similar, but it's also uh, quite different in you, you've chosen to just keep doing this and doing this and focus on this and focus on this. And, and the first love's right there, right there where you left it. And so Jesus is challenging us, don't ever give yourself the chance to let love fade or, or let your, your relationship with him become rote, become routine. Um, I was really drawn this week to the Beatitudes in, in uh, Matthew chapter 5, a uh, famous part of Jesus, the beginning of his Sermon on the Mount. And, and a lot of you know those. It's blessed are the da-da-da, for they shall blah-blah-blah. It's much more poetic than that. But uh, there's a list of them. And we're going we're gonna to hear them in just a moment. Um, but the Beatitudes means, the word itself means full of God, fully and wholly satisfied in God. And it's not full of God or fully and wholly satisfied in God, which those would still, still be great. It's both. Full of God. And then I am fully and absolutely satisfied in Him. I would imagine if somebody lives out the Beatitudes from their life, they will never see their love fade. They will never step even slightly to the side of the love of Jesus. Jesus here, he's he's painting a picture of of what a true disciple who stays committed to that first love, uh, what he lives like and what he looks like. It's interesting, he doesn't give us a to-do list. He gives us a a be list, be this, live this out. He reveals here how the kingdom of heaven works. And it's revolutionary. It's different from anything that had ever been shared before or known before. And religion certainly couldn't figure it out. Jesus actually is saying, hey, this is what I expect to come from you. This is how I expect you just to live your life and be this way. 
It's not just something good in theory. These are markers for our lives. And there's a particular scene from the, the show, The Chosen. Uh, and, and I just, I was watching it this week and I just kept watching it over and over and over again. The, the heart of Jesus as he's sharing this. I just think that the actor cap, captured it so well. And so we're going to show it in a second. And, and what I want you to do is... As you're, as you're listening to it, just pay attention. But then really at the very end, when he turns and he looks at Matthew, he looks at him, Matthew's right, and he's scribing, so he doesn't know he's looking at him yet. And he's speaking to Matthew's heart. Because here's Matthew, a former tax collector who was reviled by his own people and probably still took some time to get back into right relationship and not to have people sneer at him. Uh, here's Matthew in this, in this version, uh, in The Chosen. He's awkward. Um, and so he didn't quite fit in. And Jesus is just loving him. And some of you just, you just need to hear this today. So I'm going to ask you to, to watch this, uh, this clip here with me. Ready? Have I? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward will be great in heaven. Yes, but how is it the map? If someone wants to find me, those are the groups they should look for. If someone wants to find Jesus, those are the groups to look for. Your love's not going to fade. Our guys are going to start to hand out the communion elements now. We'll take that in a moment. Uh, so grab your, your cup and your bread and, and hold it. Here's, 
Here's what Jesus is saying to us as he speaks to the Ephesians church and as he speaks to us and as he, as he lays out the Beatitudes and all of Scripture. He, he's saying, hey, they, I, I don't ask for a, a, a lot of uh, fill-in-the-blanks and, and tests and exams and to-do lists. I ask that you remember your first love. I ask that you repent from bad choices or or wrong thinking from from wrongdoing and and then as a part of that repentance start doing right and and maybe as we go into to communion here and uh, we pray in just a moment you just need to repent of whatever it is that that you've held in your heart or that the Holy Spirit's convicting you of or or maybe you have ought against your brother or sister and you need to say Lord I I, I forgive and I commit to making that relationship right. I don't have anything. Uh, I don't have anything on my uh, spiritual back or my spiritual baggage as I go into a time of communion with you. And, um, and, and Scripture does tell us to to examine ourselves and make sure our hearts are right as we take communion together as believers. And then Jesus is saying, most of all, through the Beatitudes, through through the the, the passage we read there. Uh, he said it all the time in his, rela- in his relationships on planet earth and he, especially in Luke 10 as he's talking about Mary and Martha. He says, just draw near. Just, just come be in my presence. I, I'm not, I'm not going to give you a ton of stuff to weigh you down. I'm actually going to remove the burdens. I'm going to ask you to be with me and then live your life with me on mission for others. He simply called them back. He called the Ephesians church back. He's like, come back to me. I love you. And so he's calling you back. Maybe, maybe you're in here and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus and he's calling you to him. You were made in his image. He created you perfect. Along the way, you mess up in life and he's calling you back to the relationship he created you for. And it starts with you saying, I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Maybe some of you, you, you have faded away and you look and you're like, oh, he's, he's so far away now. He's still there, but I've come over here. He's saying, come back to me. Recommit. Re- refocus, rededicate your life to him. Come back into the relationship that, that he loves to have with you. He's not going to be standing there with his arms crossed, tapping his foot, being like, I'm, I'm going I'm to bring it down now. He's not. He loves relationship with you. And for some of you, maybe it's just, it's something you're struggling with. Politics of this day, uh, culture of this day, uh, pressures of this day, relationships in your life, health things you're walking through, and that has become your idol focus. And Jesus is saying, let that go. Ask me to forgive you for making that a focus in your life and just step back with me. Just step back with me. And one of the things that, that I think always helps us refocus is when we, when we take communion together. You know, on the night he was betrayed, Jesus, he took, he took some bread and, and he said, hey, I, I'm gonna give my body for you. So we're going to remember this beforehand, and then you're going to do this as a part of your life. 
in a routine fashion, in a, in a normal, uh, however often you do it. It's not going to be routine, but you're going to routinely do it. Okay, so it becomes a, a normal part of our life in following Jesus. And he, he said, remember that I'm giving my body for you. So here's my, here's my body. And he tore it and he gave it to each of his disciples. And he said, when you, when you eat this, thank God for what I've given, what he's given. And, and do this in remembrance of me. So that's why we take communion. Here's my, my prayer for us. I was praying this morning. And I was like, Lord, I pray that today, maybe it's the first time for some of you, and maybe this is your normal life, but I pray that every single time that you and I, whether together or in, in wherever we are, every time we take communion, we are con- constantly changed, undone, radically affected in our heart, mind, soul when we take communion. We never again at any time for the rest of our lives take communion and are not somehow undone or at all because of it. He gave his body on a cross because he loved you that much. You meant that to him. He made you and then that's how he bought you back. And so he says, eat this in remembrance of me. And if you would, just hold your bread up. Jesus, we thank you for your body given in place of ours that you took on the punishment and the wrath of sin so that we could take on eternity in heaven and relationship with our heavenly father so we eat this bread in remembrance of you giving it all for us now eat the bread and he took the cup that same night had grape juice in it or wine in it. And, and he passed it around. He said, this represents my blood, which will be poured out on the cross. And my blood once and for all is enough to cover all of your sins and all of mankind's sins. So every time you drink this, starting today, as you drink it, would you remember that no more sin? No more sin. Sin doesn't hold me. Sin doesn't define me. Sin doesn't get its way with me. The grave is, is wiped away. Death has no ownership over me. God remembers my sins no more. I am free, free, free. And I pray that as you drink this, it would just, something inside your soul would be like, whoa, Jesus, you poured out all that blood so that I would be forgiven from the moment I said yes to you until the day I come home and get to see you face to face in in a new heaven and a new earth. I am free, free, free. And so, Father, we thank you for your willingness to send your son to to be killed and bleed for us. And that when his blood was poured out, you said, my kids are forgiven for all time. And so, Jesus, we thank you for being willing to shed your blood for the forgiveness of our sins and we drink this in remembrance of you. Now I'm going to ask you to stand and we're going to go into time of worshiping him uh, with a few songs and this first song I pray that you just let it go. If you need to come up to the altar, come on up and just let Jesus have your heart like he loves to do. Thank you for listening. 
for more sermons and full-service replays, visit us online at hcfburnit.org. God bless and have a great week.